Andrew. My name is Victoria, and this is my story. I'm a tattoo artist, and I'm also a mother of six, and I enjoy going to the gym, and I like kickboxing. The thing I love about having a big family is there's always something going on. There's always someone around who you can love on or who can love on you. Um, I grew up in a smaller family with just one sibling, one sister, and I didn't necessarily always get along with her. So I love that if one of the kids are having an issue with another one, they can always go to someone else. And there's just so many personalities within our family, and it makes it just so rich. The funniest kid in our household is Zari. He's our three-year-old boy. Um, among my kids, the one who takes the most risks, I would say, is Naomi. She's very bold and courageous. My child who's most likely to end up on a TV sitcom is my oldest, Ayanna. She's a drama student, she loves to act, and I can see her on the big screen one day. The one thing that I love about my husband is that he is a great listener, and he offers so much support when I need it. God's love transformed my life when I had my firstborn daughter. And I had this overwhelming sensation of love that I had never ever experienced in my life towards this little baby. And I didn't know what it, I didn't even know what it was. It was so overwhelming and it was um, a precursor to me receiving God's love because I hadn't, I wasn't a Christian at the time. And so just experiencing the heart of a mother towards her child gave me a glimpse of what God's love towards me looked like. I was in a place of complete brokenness. I had low self-esteem, I had broken relationships all around me, and I didn't know who I was, I didn't know my purpose. And having my daughter gave me a sense of purpose, and feeling that love that came from God, came from above, I knew it was just a heavenly love, um, completely exploded my heart and allowed me to open myself up to even the thought of knowing God. The thing that stood out the most to me was His grace. And he really took me on a journey of discovering what that actually looked like practically to walk in his grace and that I didn't have to strive to earn his love. It was a free gift and it was by faith through grace. After having my daughter and then becoming a Christian, giving my life to God, he completely transformed the way I even viewed what pro-life was. In my mind, it was just not having abortions. And that was something that completely changed my life, my family, a lot of people around me were trying to pressure me to abort my daughter when I was pregnant with her, even up until seven months pregnant. And when I had her and saw what a blessing she was and that this was someone I was caring at, I didn't even know who God created her to be and how he wanted her to impact the world, but I knew that there was a purpose. Um, that solidified my stance in the pro-life movement, that this is something to be fought for. Life should be fought for. Um, but as I continued on this journey with God, He started transforming my heart to want more children. I never thought I would have six kids. <laughs> never thought I would have six kids. Uh, maybe two, three max. But um, He really enlarged my heart um, and gave me His heart for um, the next generation and bringing forth that legacy into the world. So the love of God met me when I was in a really dark place after having a miscarriage. And um, I didn't even know I was pregnant, so it was kind of different in that it wasn't like we were expecting and then got this bad news. But I remember I, had, I was coming home uh, from a pro-life talk that I was doing in a school 
and it was a really hard day because the kids were coming at me with all of their pro-choice arguments and I just kind of felt defeated already driving home and that's when I felt something pass and I went home and discovered that I had had a miscarriage or what I assumed was a miscarriage and wouldn't know until weeks later for them to confirm with all tests and medical stuff they had to do that it was a miscarriage and I felt very alone in that time because at the time I had five kids already. Um, no one in my family wanted to add to it. <laughs> so I felt like I was alone in the grieving process. And I was in a dark place because I was, while I was trying to juggle life and um, just deal with my everyday responsibilities with kids and work and whatnot, I had to grapple with what was going on inside of me with this loss, but also feeling alone in that grieving process. And so God met me and he, as he always does, reminded me that he was with me even when I didn't feel like anyone else was with me and that um, he grieved with me. And he validated my feelings where others didn't. And so God really, he's, he's taken me on this journey and time and time again, always reminds me that when I feel alone, he's always there. In that, in that loneliness, he's always there. The love of God has transformed me in the way that I view myself and my life. I had, I'd always had this mentality that I was alone and I had this orphan mentality that I didn't, I had to make it in this world alone and I had to do things on my own. And God really showed me that he's with me. He never leaves me, he never forsakes me. He's always there. And he really showed me the love of a father and healed that orphan mentality that I had. God has demonstrated his love through community by placing so many people around me that show me that love of a family, of what it looks like to have a real family that loves you unconditionally, that doesn't disown you if you don't do what they want, that doesn't um, look down in, on you in shame because of your mistakes, but that accepts you for who you are and where you are in your journey with God. The love of God has transformed the way I receive love because he healed my heart and made me whole. So I'm no longer looking for that wholeness from another relationship or a person, but because I have that wholeness from God, I was able to, and I was able to tear down any walls or hardness in my heart from the pain of the past. I was now able to receive love. And when I met my husband, he used him to even further show me his love and his patience and his grace. Um, and so it made it, easy to love a man and easy to give my heart to someone who I knew I could trust because God had placed him in my life. The love of God has impacted my creativity um, through my career as a tattoo artist. The inspiration behind it was uh, a God vision where I had the idea to start um, a nonprofit to offer women coming out of sex trafficking free cover-up tattoos for the brandings that they experienced from being in the industry. And for those wanting to move out into a place of wholeness and healing and um, go on that journey, I would be able to facilitate that healing by allowing them to have a fresh start. The journey that I'd like to see women experience and walk through as I cover up their tattoos is going from their old identity and who they were branded as in the world and stepping into their identity in Christ and who God says they are. And 
I've gone through that journey myself where God completely made me a new creature. I feel like a new person and I want to be able to help facilitate that for other women. So God, I just thank you for your love, your amazing love and your grace, God, that covers so many sins. I thank you, God, that even while we were still sinners, that you loved us and you died for us. And I pray for any person here who is in a place of just trying to figure out what their purpose is and their identity. I pray that they would find you, God, because you are seeking them. You are pursuing them with your love. And I pray that they would be open to the journey that you desire to take them on, God, to take them out of a place of brokenness and to bring them into a place of wholeness and healing and being able to walk out the call that you have for their life. And so I bless every person here, God. I thank you, Lord, that that you are faithful to complete the good work in which you started in them. And I pray that that journey would continue and that you would give them the grace to receive your love and to walk it out. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is... I'm going to read to you. Yeah, you can clap for sure. God is so real. It says here in the book of Isaiah 53... And this is verse two in the NLT. It says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. There's a voice that cries out in the silence. Searching for a heart that will love him Longing for a child that will give him their all Give it all, he wants it all And there's a God that walks over the earth He's searching for a heart that is desperate And longing for a child that will give him their all Give it all, he wants it all And he says, love me, love me with your whole heart. He wants it all today. Serve me, serve me with your life now. He wants it all today. Bow down, let go of your idols. He wants it all today. He wants it all today. He wants it all today, he wants it all There's a God that walks over the earth 
myself. I'm a father of two. I'm a husband. Uh, my kids' names are Josiah and Justice. My favorite thing about my wife is her love for others, her ability to be present with people and to love people where they're at and just to be present right there with them. My favorite thing about my son is the way that he wakes up in the morning with uh, enthusiasm and joy and it just seems like he's kind of ready to jump in full steam, and that energizes me. And my daughter is just her presence, her sweetness, her eyes. She has eyes like her mother. So I love both of them so much. So the love of God has transformed my life entirely. He um, really graced me with his presence and encountering me about five years ago, um, and really um, just showered me with his love. Um, you know, back five, six, seven years ago, I was a different person. And when I encountered the, the, the never-ending love of a good father, it radically impacted me. It radically impacted my posture of how I see everything. So the area that has really been transformed in my life because of the love of God, there's so many things, there's so many things, but if I had to share a few, definitely uh, areas around my sexuality, you know, being involved in relationships and doing things that, now that I look back at it, I'm like, man, that was the wrong thing. Or pornography, um, some deep things in that area as well. And then also um, my motives. I think that God has really transformed the way that I see things. And what I mean by that is, why, why do I go to work? every day? Why do I wake up and want to be the best father I can be? 
what is my motive in those areas? So I think that the love of God has penetrated and permeated my mind and opened up a new way to see things, which really stems into why I do things each day. So he, did, he not only wanted to come in and transform what I do behavior-wise, but why I do it. So the love of God is the only thing that has ever changed my life, so much so that he goes deep inside my heart and says, why are you doing that? He's not so concerned about what I do, but why? So I keep my, my, my heart sensitive before the Lord. Well, first of all, it's an ongoing process. You know, I'm still growing in my relationship with a loving father. He's still teaching me things about who he is. But I think really, first of all, separating time in my day where I can just sit and be ready to receive what he needs to say. And that takes time to develop, and I'm still learning that. But also um, time with my family, setting time aside to really look to the Lord at the beginning of each day and at the end of each night. So I think um, those are ways that I, that I really set my eyes on the love of God each day. I think that it's very easy to run away from God, but the, the love of the Father wants us to run to Him, to be real and raw with the things that are on our hearts and our minds. So I don't think He's a God, He's a loving Father who doesn't want to hear it. He wants to hear it. So I think coming to Him authentically with a raw heart each day keeps me sensitive to his voice, keeps me sensitive to his, his presence. The first moment I ever experienced the love of God was very interesting because I grew up knowing about Jesus and I, knew, I grew up knowing that God is good. But when I actually encountered the presence of God for the first time, a loving Father, it was as if everything around me stopped. And I was face to face with God. And his presence, uh, Literally, it felt like, honestly, it transformed me instantly. And I remember that specifically there was a feeling in my heart that it felt like it was melting, that my heart had started to become soft in an instant. So the, the, the presence of God had almost erased and started to heal me in an instant. And since then, it's been a journey of Him renewing my mind and playing catch up with my heart, being, being softened. So the way that I father my children because I've encountered the love of the Father um, is really being able to see them for who they are no matter what they do. No matter what it is that they do in their daily, their daily lives, whether they, whether they fall or they do something that would make me proud, it doesn't change the way that I see them and the way that I love them. You know, I love, I love the example of a son coming into a father's house and going to the fridge and asking permission. You know, I want my son to come into my house and just open the fridge because he knows it's my fridge. So I think just knowing, just looking at my children like what I have, it's yours. And there's nothing that you can do to make me take it back. Like it's an unconditional love. And I wouldn't love my kids like that unless if I encountered the father's love. There's nothing that I can do to make God love me less. He wants to see his son succeed. And I want to see my son succeed and my daughter succeed. So I think like it's changed the way I would be a father so much today. You know, the last four months, I've been really seeing that God is, is a, he, he, he's the one who comes after us. He really comes after us. He like actually pursues us. It's like he's on a horse coming toward us. Like he's like, no, I'm coming after you. He's relentless. And now I understand that song, The Reckless Love of God, a little bit more. 
because he met us 99% of the way. We had like 0.01% of the way. We just had to say yes. He had been, he had been um, pursuing me my whole life. It took 30 years for me to open my heart to him. Um, you know, my old life, um, there were so many things that I was ashamed of. So many things that um, I had hurt people. I had been hurt. I was involved in drugs, alcohol, all kinds of things that, you know, looking back at it now, I was totally lost. But the way that the father encountered me was seeing past that. He saw that I was his son. He saw that I was um, ready to receive his love. And it's just been a process since encountering him about five years ago. Um, he's amazing, he's amazing. I'd love to pray that you guys would encounter the love of God this Easter. So Father, we just come to you. Uh, we thank you so much that you're a loving Father. We thank you so much that you're a good, good Father. We thank you, Lord, that um, you see us for who we are called to be. And thank you, Lord, that you've come so far to pursue us. I just pray for open hearts right now. I just pray for a softening of the heart. I pray that we would be able to open our hearts and receive the love of God this Easter and really think about how much a loving Father loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, my name is Andrew and this is my story. Well, oh, I'm on here. Word it out. Well, good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Uh, it is so good to see everyone here this morning. So good to welcome everyone who's joining us online as well. Um, and uh, I want to I talk to you a little bit today. Just uh, won't take as much time as usual. But I want to talk to you about, just along the lines of our theme, the greatest love story ever told. And so if you want to join me in a word of prayer, and then let's dive right in. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. Ah, just as it's Resurrection Sunday, thank you that Jesus rose. Thank you that we are here to celebrate today. We are here to give thanks today because of your resurrection. I also thank you that we're here today to remember your love. We're here to remember the greatest love story ever told. And Father, I, I thank you for every single person that's here today. Every single person that's here in person, every single person that's joining us online. And I pray today that each one of us will have a deeper understanding, a deeper awareness, a deeper revelation today of your love for us. Just even as Victoria shared, as Andrew shared about the way the love of God impacted their lives, their love story, so to speak, or the story of your love for them. Lord, I pray that you want to write a story. You are writing a story with each one of us. And so I pray that our eyes will just be opened a little bit more today to, uh, to see and our ears will be opened to hear and our hearts will be opened to understand your love for us in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me said, Amen. I want to start with a question for you this morning. Uh, and the question is simply this. What is your favorite love story? Now, how many people in here like love stories? 
Everyone wave at me if you like love stories. If you like it, throw in the comment box. I, I know love people love love stories. Maybe some of us are like, I don't know. I don't really know about love stories. But, but I, you know, there's something about a love story that connects with us as human beings. It's, it's really, when you start to understand a little deeper, it's part of the way God made us and just to have this, this, uh, this heart for love. Um, yeah, I don't know what your favorite love story is. I, I did a little poll on Instagram yesterday because I wanted to kind of put the word out there and ask people. You know, I said, I, I'm preaching tomorrow on, on the greatest love story ever told, and I'm curious what your favorite love story is. Uh, and so the first story I got, I guess this is a Disney fan, because he said it was Eve and Wally. And I know most of us are thinking what that one is. I think it's that little robot, Wally or Wale or whatever else. So Eve and Wally. Uh, another person told me, Love and Basketball. But I don't know if that helps for tomorrow. <laughs> now, I don't know if we have any love and basketball fans in here. I know that's quite a, 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 a movie that was quite popular, a well-known love story. I think some people figured because I was preaching, they had to be very biblical. So one told me Boaz and Ruth was their favorite love story. Uh, not, not hating on that. I'm, I'm sure that very much was. Another one said Hosea and Gomer. Um, someone else texted me, a fellow preacher, and he said, if you're doing a sermon on love stories, the song forgive my pronunciation, dos orictas from Encanto is fire. So I don't know if we have any Encanto fans in here, but we're not going to talk about Bruno. Uh, my, my friend Steve from India replied and said, every Bollywood movie. That's what he said. Every single Bollywood movie, I guess, was his favorite love story. And then my sister replied and she said, mom and dads. And so, uh, so she, uh, she got that one in there. And so you know, we could go on and on. I'm sure we could go around the room and, and many of us could talk about our favorite love stories. Uh, you know, the favorite love story. And even if it's here, it could be a, a story, a movie, a book, a film. Uh, it could be something that happened in real life. I think if I, if I had enough time to think about it, someone asked me that question, I would just say the love story of my love for my wife. And get some points in there. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about the greatest love story ever told. If you want to look at me with a verse that uh, I'm sure we're all very familiar with, but it's from John 3.16. And John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. I want somebody with me this morning to say, for God so loved the world. Now, I know this verse, as I said, is a verse I'm sure most of us are familiar with. Maybe there's one or two people here, or a few people here, and you're not as familiar with this verse. But even people who don't maybe usually go to church or aren't as familiar with faith or religion, somewhere along the line, they come across John 3.16. And, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. But, but I think one of the key reasons is this verse, is, is, it, it encapsulates in one verse so much of the theme of the Bible. So much of the theme of Jesus and what he's all about. And I think it's so powerful because it speaks of God's love for us. And what I wonder sometimes in, in, with this verse and being so familiar with it and being so used to it, we, we lose sight of the fact that I, I think this verse tells us, it, it gives us a, a synopsis of the greatest love story ever told. This verse in itself 
You know, now it's interesting because I know some of you might be sitting there thinking, okay, wait a minute, well, explain that or help me understand that. But what I realize is when you give a synopsis, it's like you've got to, the synopsis doesn't carry the power of the entire story. It's a little bit like when you watch the trailer of a movie. You know, so if you're on YouTube or you're in the theater or you see it somewhere, you watch the trailer of a movie, it gives you a, 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 a window into that movie. It opens the picture, but you don't watch the trailer for a movie and say, oh yeah, I saw that movie. Why? Because the trailer is just giving you a, a synopsis. You know, it's a little bit as well like taking a great book and reading the back cover of that book where it kind of gives an overview of the story and kind of sets the stage. Say, oh yeah, I read that book. No, no, you didn't read the book. You just read a synopsis. And so in many ways, I I feel like John 3.16 is a synopsis of the greatest love story ever told, but we can miss it if we lose sight of the story and we don't get caught up in the story as whole. We need to understand the story. Now, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. What, what are the ingredients that make a great love story? What, 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 what for you, if you were to think about, what makes something a great love story? And so I started thinking about some things that make something a great love story. You know, some ingredients, some elements. You know, first and foremost, you know, doing a little research. First and foremost, you, you will have a, her- a heroine. You know, a, how do you say it? Heroine. Heroine? Heroine. Not heroine. A heroine, heroine? No, here, I'm totally botching it. <laughs> you have a, a heroine who is the center of the story. And then you need to bring in a hero who comes into this story. If you start thinking, think through your favorite love story. Right? It's based around two individuals. And it kind of develops their character. It develops the heart of who they are. You bring a hero into this story that, that, and, and then what happens is there is this passion, there is this love that starts to happen between these two individuals. And, and, and there's this love that begins to stir. There's this love that begins to happen, this connection that happens. But then in a great love story, you always have a tension or a challenge. Think about that. When was the last love story that you watched that, you know, boy meets girl, they fall in love, and everything just goes perfectly. That doesn't make a great love story, does it? No, there has to be a challenge. There has to be something that goes on, some, some mountain that has to be climbed, some battle that has to be fought, some, some challenge, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but you get in, you're watching the film, or maybe you're reading the book, and you're like, you know, you get wrapped up into it, you're like, come on, no, you know, eh, eh, you know get, get back from that situation, or don't fall for that, or no, that wasn't, you kind of get caught up in the story because there's this tension and there's this challenge that happens. But ultimately, in every great love story, there's a sacrifice. And, and there's, there's a sacrifice. Somebody does something noble. They do something heroic. They make some great sacrifice to overcome the tension, to overcome the challenge, and to, to come back together. And then ultimately, in a great love story, there is now a happily ever after. Now, I know sometimes in tragedies or tragic love stories, they don't end up with a happily ever after. But that's part of the story. But, but for us, there's something we're like, this isn't right. This isn't good. Right? We want to see that happily ever after. That's what, that's the design. These are the ingredients of a great love story. So if we're talking about 
ingredients of a great love story, and we talk about each one of these. How does this apply to Jesus? How does this apply to the gospel? How does this apply to what we're celebrating today? Well, first and foremost, you need a heroine, and the heroine in this story is, is us. Now, it might seem a little strange to some of us, especially some guys trying to picture yourself in that. But again, in the picture where the Bible talks about us as the church being like the bride of Christ. And there was us as human beings, as people. We're like the heroine in the story. And then there's the hero who is God. Except the way this story started, the Bible tells us in Genesis that in the beginning God made the heavens and he made the earth. And he brought this all together. And the crowning achievement of his creation was he made man and he made woman. He made people and his desire in making us was he wanted somebody to love. He wanted somebody to have relationship with. Yes, he took Adam and Eve and he gave them one another and he gave them the garden to tend and he gave them responsibility. But the Bible also tells us that he'd come down in the cool of the day and he would walk with them and he would talk with them. And then if we look really throughout the arc of scriptures, we see this desire for God to have relationship, this desire for God to show his love and to demonstrate his love. So in the greatest love story ever told, we have the heroine who is us. And then we have the hero who is God. And then we have this passion and this love. But what's interesting in this greatest love story was that the love was from God to us. And we, so often, people did not respond to his love, but yet he continued to love. This is part of what leads into the tension and the challenge but furthermore when Adam and Eve and when God originally made human beings and he made humankind and he had this relationship with them and he walked with them and he had this love relationship but then the tension comes because man fell into sin Adam and Eve ate from the tree that God said not to eat from and it opened this door of sin and And it was interesting because God had said to them, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you're going to die. And sometimes people would look at the account from the scripture and say, well, that doesn't make any sense because they didn't die. But when you understand what death really is, life in its essence, eternal life. One verse in the Bible says, I don't have it referenced, but it says, this is eternal life that they might know you. Right? The essence of life is being connected with God, knowing God. Each one of us are designed to have this connection with God. And when we don't have that, we are always searching. We may not be able to articulate it. We may not be able to put it in words. But we're always searching. We're looking. We're trying to find it. You know, Andrew referenced it a bit in his video with all the things he was looking for. Victoria referenced it in her own way in her video of where she was seeking to find validation. We're designed to be connected with God. That is true. Life is being connected with him. And so what happened was when Adam and Eve sinned, they got disconnected connected from God he had to put them out of the garden and all of a sudden this man and this woman humankind that he made that he had loved we have this tension we have this conflict we have this challenge because there is a separation and God is now separated he he can still connect in in different small ways but it's not what he wanted which is this divine connection where he can show us his love 
So that brings us then to the, perhaps the best part where the story really heats up, but that brings us to the sacrifice. Right? In a great love story, there's, there's a sacrifice that's made to bring back together. There's that, you know, that moment where there's whatever, something noble is done, something brave, something bold happens to bring them back together. And in this greatest love story ever told, that sacrifice was what we've been celebrating this weekend. It was Jesus. I take you back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Remember, this is a synopsis of the greatest love story. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave him to come to the earth. I, 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 I still think, even in myself, I don't fully and properly grasp the magnitude of what God did. And yet he gave his son for us to come to earth to live as a human. But then ultimately, even though he lived a sinless, perfect life, to give his life for us on the cross. And it was interesting because one of the things, maybe you would be familiar with this story, but when Jesus finally died, he was on the cross. You know, we, we focused on this just two days ago on Good Friday. He was on the cross and he, he finally died. He said he gave up his spirit. And it's interesting because it said, he said, it is finished. And the Bible tells us, one of the, one of the accounts tells us that in the temple, and, and, and let me explain this for you because what God had to do was he wanted us to know him. He wanted to love us. He wanted us to be able to experience his presence. He wanted us to really be able to walk with him. But because of sin, we no longer could. And so what he did was he had them actually create an ark of the covenant where his presence would be. And it was kept in a very special place, first in the tabernacle, and it was kept in the temple. And, and there was, they, they, it was in the temple where people would still come and worship, but nobody could come in. Nobody could actually come into what they called the Holy of Holies where the ark was, except the priest who could come once a year and he'd have to do all these purification rites and he'd have to actually, they would tie bells around his gown at the bottom so you could hear him when he moved and they actually tied a rope around his leg because if he didn't have, if he hadn't done everything perfectly, then he'd go into God's presence and he wouldn't be able to stand the sin. It would just, he would, he would die in his presence. Can you imagine that those you love can't even come into your presence because of sin. They, they literally would have to pull him back out. So this is what had happened in the temple. But when Jesus said, it is finished. What, and, and, oh, let me make sure I put this other point. In the temple, between the Holy Holies, there was this thick veil that they'd made. And it, it, it kind of separated the Holy of Holies from the outside. And, and, and it was this thick woven veil. But the Bible says that when Jesus said it is finished, he died. That veil was torn in two from top to bottom. If it was from bottom to top, we could see a, a man had come. But it was top to bottom. Almost as this picture of God saying, it is finished. I am no longer going to be separated from my people. I'm no longer going to be limited in the way I can show my love to you. And he literally tore it in two. And it's like he broke out. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And what did this bring us to? Well, it brings us to the last part of a great love story, which is a happily ever after. 
right? There's this connection, there's this love, but then there's these challenges, and then there's a sacrifice, there's something noble that happens, which brings together in the end, finally, we fought through, and there's a happily ever after. And we have the happily ever after because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We no longer have to be separated from God. We no longer have to be disconnected from God. We can receive his love. We can love him in turn. We can walk in with him. This is the power of the gospel. This This is the power of the greatest love story ever told. That his love is free and open for all. That relationship with him is free and open to all. That every single one of us can come back to this place where we can walk with him, we can receive his love, we can give his love, we can love him in return. This is here for every single one of us. I want to read you another verse from John 15, 13. And it says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I want to read that to you again. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest love story ever told is God loved you so much. God loved me. God loved us so much that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Romans 5 verse 8, another verse, actually takes it up a notch. It says this, But God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you and I were doing whatever we were doing, off wherever we were off, God said, I love you. I'm giving my son for you. Now, just as Andrew said in the video, we talked about just the different things God, God pursued, God loved. I want you to know today that there is nothing that you've done There's nothing that you're doing. There's nothing that you are going to do that will ever be greater than God's love for you. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to have relationship with him. He wants you to have this, if we'll call it an eternal, happily ever after with him. You know, I was thinking about this week and I was just meditating on the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. I want you just to say that with me right now. Say, Jesus gave his life for me. And in closing, I want to I want to share a, a story that just speaks to me so much of that. I don't, I don't know if this is a true story or if it's anecdotal, but it's a story about a family. Mom and a dad, they have two kids. A little boy, a little girl. Older brother, younger sister. Beautiful family. Beautiful life. They, they, they were so happy. But then in a certain season, they started to notice uh, with the little girl that she wasn't doing well. She started to just get sick a little more often. She was losing energy. First, they weren't really concerned. They thought, oh, you know, it's fine. She'll be good. But it kept continuing, and, and they started to get a little more concerned. You know, mom picked up on it first because moms usually pick up on those things. And like, I know something's not right here. Something's going on. So they ended up taking her to the doctor. 
The doctor was concerned as well. The doctor started to run tests. And they started to see that she actually was very sick, that she had some very serious health complications and issues going on. So they started to do tests and look at what can we do. And obviously you can imagine, I mean, I can't even imagine as a father one of my children being sick in that way. Thousand times out of a thousand, I'd say, I'll take it first. I mean, obviously nobody wants it in the first place, but just as a parent, I think every parent would understand. And she got sicker and she got sicker in, in the family. And so they're just looking for a solution. And finally one day they sat with their doctor. He said, you know what, we, we have a solution that we think is going to make her better, but we need to do, uh, we need a blood transfusion. And we, we need to find a donor who will match her for this blood transfusion, but this blood transfusion will help her. And so they started to do some study, and what they found was her older brother had the exact type of blood that was needed for that transfusion. And so the parents sat with him one day, and, you know, he was old enough to understand, but not quite old enough, you know, like it still was, this is a new concept for him. And they explained to him, they said, you know what, obviously you know your sister's not doing well, but the doctors say that if you would give her your blood, if we can get her blood, it will help her get better. And so it took a little bit, but the little boy kind of understood. And so he said, okay. And he thought for a moment, and he said, so if I give her my blood, she'll be better. Mom and dad said, yeah, yeah, he will, she will. And so the little boy said, okay, I'll do it. So the day came where they're going to do the procedure. They got her there, set her up, got him there, set him up. And they started the transfusion. And the doctors and nurses were monitoring it. And they were looking at things and it was going well. And things were coming together good. And, and, and you know, and the parents, just you could feel the relief and just everything kind of coming in with them. And in that, and, and, and they got there and they, they looked up. They said, okay, it's good. Good job, son. And, and he looked at his mom and his dad and he said, okay, so how long, how long will it take? Or how long will it, how long will it be? And my dad thought it was a little strange question because they said, well, we're just about done. They said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, how long will it be before I die? And all of a sudden, the lights clicked on for them. And they realized that he, in his kind of mind where he was, thought that giving his blood to his sister, he didn't understand that he could give his blood and his body would still make more. He thought, if I'm giving my blood to my sister, it means that she's going to be able to live, but I'm going to be able to die. I don't know about you, but I, I can imagine a parent. They're like, no, no, no. You know, they're just like, no, you're not going to die. You're okay. She's okay. You know, but it dawned on them when he said, yes, I'll do it. He thought he was going to give his life for his sister. Now, obviously, thankfully, that wasn't the case. But that story has always, for me, been a perfect picture of what Jesus did for us. Because Jesus, you know, we talk about it in church, but Jesus gave his blood so you and I could live. And he literally did give his life. But as part of this happily ever after, not only did he give his life, but he rose again. He rose again. And that's what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. That's the song that we sing, says, death could not hold you. 
right? The veil tore before you, right? It's talking about the fact that death could not hold him because he was not just a man, but because he was God, but he rose again. And he said that if you, I love that again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him. Because this is the last thing I want to say to you about a love story. For a love story to work, how many know you have to have two people who say yes? If one person doesn't say yes, you have a story, but it's not a love story. I fell in love with my wife when I was 19 and she was 16. She didn't fall in love with me. And it took about a six-year process. But I persevered. And there was a whole lot of turns in that. But if it's going to be a love story, two people got to say yes. God's love is right here for us today. But we still have to say yes. Come on, somebody tell your neighbor, we have to say yes. His love is right there. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. His arms are wide open. But we still have a choice. We have a choice to receive the embrace or we have a choice to say, no, I'm going to do things my own way. We have to choose to believe and to receive. And so if I just could ask you today, if you want to bow your heads, close your eyes, even those of you who are joining us online, I know maybe you're in your home or you're out and about somewhere, but if you want to bow your head and close your eyes as well. And I just want us to take a moment to, to respond to this as we bring things to a close. The first response is, when we talk about the greatest love story ever told, my prayer is that every one of us today will have a fresh understanding of how much God loves us. You've been a Christian for 50 years. I pray that today you have a fresh understanding of God's love for you. The greatest love story ever told. Secondly, if you're here today, and maybe you used to walk with God's love. You'd received it at some point in your life, but as you're sitting here today, you know that you've walked away from him. You know that, and I don't know what, maybe it was just life got hard. Maybe just the last couple of years with COVID and everything getting thrown up in the air and not being able to be at church and not whatever, but you know that you've walked away. I'm not talking about you had a rough day, but you, you walked away from him. Today, will you come back to him? Today, will you recommit yourself to him? And last but not least, maybe you're here today and you've never really known with God in the way I'm talking, known God in the way I'm talking about. You've never walked with God. You've never had that relationship with him. Maybe you've never even heard somebody explain it the way I'm explaining it. Well, from the bottom of my heart today, I want you to know that God loves you. That you're not here by accident today. 
and that God's inviting you into the greatest love story ever told. God's inviting you and he's saying, I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. Even though you want to hang out with us, you're more than welcome. But that's not what we're this about. This is about you receiving the love of God. So I just want to pray over each one of us, whatever circle we're in today. First, I'd like to ask, just by a raised hand, how many of us, no matter how long we've been Christians, want to ask God today for just a fresh understanding of his love? that's you just raise your hand if you say I want a fresh revelation a fresh understanding of your love amen thank you Lord I also want to ask today how many of us you can put your hands down if that is there anybody here today who followed God but as you're listening to me today maybe even just as I've been talking the last few moments you realize I've fallen away from him I'm not right with him. I, I, I need to come back home. If that's you today, do you want to just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. If you say, I need to come back to him. Thank you, Lord. And last but not least, I want to ask today, if there's anybody that says, you know, I've never received God's love today. I've never received God's love. I've never committed my life to Jesus. See, the Bible teaches us that God loves us with our absolute love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? We've, we've, we've got to make sure, again, we were separated by sin. Jesus came to bring us back to him. And if you're in this place today, or if you're watching online, and you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive this love that God has. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are today? If there's anybody that says, I want to receive God's love today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet. We've got a lot going on today. Please join me in prayer because we still have two more services that we're going to run. We got an 11 o'clock, we got a 1 o'clock. You guys are here in the early crowd, though, at the 9 o'clock. So let's just do this. I want to pray for you as we come to a close. Jesus, we come before you today. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your resurrection. Thank you that you came for us. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today we remember and we celebrate your resurrection. And I pray, just even as we said today, that each one of us will receive today a fresh understanding of your love. We'll understand that we are part of the greatest love story ever told. That we are not alone. That we are not forsaken. That we are not forgotten. But that you've brought us close. And I pray that we will learn even more just to live in this love. And we will learn to share this love with the world around us. God, I pray a special blessing over every person that's here. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in them and through them. I thank you for an amazing day. I thank you for an amazing rest of the Easter weekend. And Lord, I pray once again that every single one of us will grow today, grow this month, grow this year in receiving and walking in your love. Thank you again that you came for us. Thank you that you gave your life for us. Thank you that you invited us to be part of the greatest love story ever told. In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed with me, said, amen, amen, amen. He is risen.
Amen. Come on, say it again. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you for being here on Resurrection Sunday. I'm sure you have family meals and outings and different things to attend. Have a wonderful time. First time guests, please remember to go to the Connect table. We've got that special gift we want to give you just to say thank you for being here. We're honored that you've chosen to join us. And so make sure that you checked on your way out. A couple practical items we want to remind you of next week, next Sunday, we have two things that are going to be starting that may be of interest to you. Number one, we have something we call Backstage Pass Meet the Pastors. If you're newer to Toronto City Church or maybe walking in, you'd love to meet us, you can sign up online. It's just going to be after our second service at 1.30. A little bit of food, some conversation, some sharing just more about our church, what we're all about. Secondly, we have something starting called Cap Money Course. This is a course that equips you to budget, to manage your finances. It's just a real good practical course on building that. So we just wanted to let people know these are two connect opportunities. But other than that, we love you. God bless you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Have an amazing Sunday. God bless.